Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society. I'm Annie Joy, and me and Julie are on a mission to teach the tools to help us to build a kinder Zion. Join us for today's conversation because there's always room on the pew for you. Hey friends, before we get started, I just want to let you know that tickets are live for my House of Joy event. It's for mothers and daughters to come together and create a more powerful relationship through play and humor and silliness and also good communication skills and learning how to be confident in ourselves. So please come join us. It's going to be an amazing event. It is now going to be in Arizona, Gilbert, Arizona on November 4th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you need tickets for that, you can either message me and I'll send you the link or if you go over to our Instagram account, um, it'll be linked there and also be linked on my new account, AnnieJoy.Speaks. So if you're interested in coming to that, please reach out and I'll make sure you get the link. There's not a lot of spots, so if you're interested in coming, I would hop on that quick. And there are some codes to get $30 off, so come join us. It's going to be a great day. All right, friends, welcome back to the party. So today is really fun. What's that? It's here, the party. It's here, the party is here. You're welcome, the party is here. So normally one of us knows our guest or has some like association with the guest. But today is really fun and special because Julie and I both found Amber online, like independently. And then we went to talk to about it with each other. We're like, oh my gosh, I love this girl. She's so funny. We were like, oh my gosh, we need to have her on. And so it was fun that we both loved her account and we're like excited to talk to her and that she said yes. Yeah. So glad you said yes and came to hang out with us today. Me too. You guys are so fun. (laughs) Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you. Like we love your account. We love what you're talking about. We I'm I'm always fascinated with all your stories of like hippie to Mormon, you know, like they're just so fun and interesting. And like Julie and I are people who love stories anyway. We love hearing about people's lives and what they do and which makes this job really fun, you know. But for those who like don't have a reference or a background for that, like maybe a little bit of background on like you and your family and your platform and kind of what you are presenting to the world because it's really fun and awesome and very inspiring. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, my name's Amber Pierce. My account is left with a smile. And it's so funny because I've had people reach out to me like, what does that mean? Did you leave something? Have you left? I'm like, I haven't left anything. No, I just want to leave you with a smile through inspiring stories. Like I love stories. As a little kid, my favorite thing to read was Reader's Digest. Like Heck yeah, man. Kind of weird. Just because I love people's stories. They are inspiring. I feel like that's where you learn the most important lessons in life is through stories, not from people just getting up and blabbing about a certain principle, like tell me a story. And I have a unique story. My family is always saying someone has to write a book about our family. And I'm not writing a book, but I'm posting reels because I was raised by hippie parents who joined the church, quite literally went from LSD to LDS. And you can take the the hippie out of the commune, but you can't take the hippie out of the hippie. So I just had a very unique upbringing. And I was also raised by very loving and generous people. My parents had five children, adopted eight more, uh, fostered many children. There was always anyone who needed a home, 
even animals who needed a home, anything, anyone or anything that needed a home, they were in and out of our house growing up. And it just left me with a lot of experiences that blessed my life. And I'm now, I'm a mom of five kids. I have all girls except for four. And uh, <laughs> I live, yeah, I wish I had more girls, but that's it. Um, all girls except for four of them. Yeah. <laughs> I live, uh, In my heart, I, we are the same, by the way. I just actually had my second girl, but I have three boys and I had one girl and I, my last one is nine months old and I had a little come to Jesus moment with Jesus and heavenly father on my knees and said, we need to talk over what happens before this baby comes. Cause I don't know if I can do another boy. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. we got lucky. It was a girl. She's so, 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 so sweet. But like my boys are crazy too. So yeah, I my, they are pretty crazy, but girls are, have their own craziness. So <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> flavors are crazy you know it's great um, but yeah I live out in the mountains of New Mexico actually not that far from the home I grew up in that was off-grid except for now the area is much more developed but a few years ago I just yeah I had one of those like head-to-toe inspiration moments where I was kind of in in between of how I wanted to develop my gifts or use my time for good and the spirit just said to me share inspiring stories. And I felt it from my head to my toes. I knew it was what I was supposed to do, but I was kind of like slow on the uptake. I'm like, what inspiring stories? Like, huh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And didn't really know how to do it. And it's been such a journey, but really I share because, you know, I was reading once in the Joseph Smith story in the back of our our scriptures, right? And I found it was really interesting when the angel Moroni came to him, he quoted very few scriptures to him. And one of the scriptures he quoted was from Joel and that the, the servants and the handmaids would prophesy in the last days. And he said, this is about to happen. And as I read that, like, just so powerful, this is our responsibility. As we know truth, we have to prophesy and testify of Christ and share that truth. There's so many people in the world that want to hear it and that need their faith strengthened that, you know, there's these last days are no joke. People no joke. True. Yeah. <laughs> Maintain our faith. And if I can help someone strengthen their faith, I, and it also strengthens mine as I share these stories, then I'll do it. And I've really loved it. That's so beautiful. And you're right. This is the darkest period of our history. Like in with so many things going on with like Satan, just, he is reigning with blood horror. He really is. And my mom will say that sometimes. And it sounds so funny when she says it, cause my mom's an interesting human and we love her and she's great. But when she says it, it's just like interesting, you know, she's very serious. Right. But like, but in reality, that is true. Like we, he is reigning with blood and horror on this earth. And now is the time for us to be stepping up and speaking up. And we have such easy ways to do it, right? Anybody can have an Instagram account. Anybody can have a podcast. Anybody can have a YouTube channel. Like there's so many means to share those messages that why not be sharing good things? People are online anyway. That's not going to stop. That's not going away anytime soon. So how can we flood the internet with light and with goodness and good stories and 
yours are so fun. I, I love hearing what you have to say. And you just have a cute personality anyway, but like the stories are interesting. It's so foreign from my experience, right? Julie and I grew up in Orem, Utah. We went to high school together. You know, like my parents, Julie, I don't know about your parents, but like my parents are sons and daughters of pioneers. And, you know, our lineage goes back and back and back. And it's just mm -hmm. a very different experience. And so it's cool to hear about someone else's, you know, experience being so vastly different from your own. So what are some of the things you feel like were hard about being raised like that and the things like were amazing about being raised like that? Yeah. What wasn't hard? I mean, come on. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is my, the, the first answer that came to my brain was dishes, like doing dishes for 15 people with no dishwasher. Oh uh, yeah. I swear I have PTSD from it. Yeah. Grew up off the grid completely, right? <laughs> yeah. We were no electricity. Yeah. We were completely off grid when my parents, at first we had no plumbing, no running water either. Um, when I was nine years old, right before uh, my sisters were adopted, we had to get indoor plumbing. So we got a, one toilet, no, two toilets and one shower. That was great. I hate using outhouses, but we didn't get electricity until I was a junior in high school. And that was a joyful day. Like, you don't yeah. know how nice it is to, you know, when you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night to be able to turn on a light and see what you're doing and how to get to the bathroom and not accidentally go sit on someone who is already going to the bathroom, you know, not that oh, that happens, maybe. <laughs> or like oh, simple pleasures in life. <laughs> you use like candles or like anything oh no oh goodness no like if we ever had a flashlight that batteries weren't burnt out that was a luxury but often I couldn't find a flashlight or you know we didn't have batteries or whatever we did we had a generator that we could turn on in the evening when everyone was awake but as soon as it was bedtime that generator was turned off and there was no light so yeah, off-grid has some adventures for sure. The kids, where did they adopt all of the kids from? My brother with special needs, he was adopted here from in New Mexico. And then my five sisters were adopted next from Calcutta, India. Wow. And when they came, they told my parents about a cousin they had who was a boy who was still in the orphanage. And so my parents immediately started the process to adopt him. And then my mom was a therapist and school teacher and met a student there that had a disrupted adoption. And so she wasn't having that and was like, I'll adopt you. And so that's our family rounded out with that. But we also had lots of foster kids in between. Were well. the five from India related to each other? Yeah, they were all sisters. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Cool experience. How yeah. are how are they all doing now? Has everyone grown? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone like, cause pretty much we all, the five children, my parents already had, we all got twins. So we're all the same age, pretty much. There was 10 teenagers in my parents' home at one time. Like, can you even wow. imagine doing that? It's pretty nuts. Oh no, that sounds <laughs> terrible, but I'm sure it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone is, well, I'm really amaze my sisters and brother they they just astound me they amaze me what they went through and the amazing people they are today 
it truly is evidence of the power of the atonement and Christ's love and healing, despite whatever trial you may face in life. So yeah. I love that. Well, did it ever feel like a giant slumber party? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, our house wasn't that big. uh, When I I said it had to, everyone was in the dark. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. You just, yeah, Yeah. came out in the dark all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So there was four girls in one room and three girls in another room. We had the upstairs and yeah, party, slumber party all the time. I would imagine that sometimes that was hard too, though, because like I don't have as many siblings as you. I only have five of them. But even with the five, it was like I'd always say like when people would ask me what it's like to have like a bigger family, like comparative to, you know, the rest of the U.S., whatever. It's like, well, you're never alone, but you're never alone. Yeah. You know, it's like that's how I felt growing up with the siblings I had, because I have two sisters like bookcased around me and age wise, and we were in the same room growing up. So there's three of us in one room and sometimes that was great. And then sometimes that was annoying. And anyway, so I can only imagine with even more siblings that that thing would amplify of like, you're never alone. Like you always have somebody and you're never alone. And there's like not a lot of privacy, not a lot of quiet time and yeah, a little chaotic at times. Yeah, there was a, a good and bad to all of that. Yeah, there was never a quiet moment. Our house was always pretty loud. Luckily, we, we lived out in the middle of nowhere on hundreds of acres. And so I it developed a love for nature <laughs> in me and for hiking because that was my alone time. If I, I needed to get out. And there was, you know, a lot of times that honestly, being at home wasn't the happiest place to be. And so I would come home from school and then immediately just kind of disappear into my own little space just to have a bit of respite from the conflict and yeah, crazy. <laughs> it was there. Yeah. You're raising a lot of trauma in one house. That's gotta be hard too. Yeah. But there was fun times too. There was always, we were always up to something crazy, like, you know, taking mattresses and putting them down the stairs and <laughs> Sliding down in our sleeping bags or putting the mattresses underneath the loft and just jumping off the loft onto the mattresses or uh, (laughs) one time there ambulances called to our house multiple times. I feel bad for my parents, but we set the house on fire once we set the house, we set outside the house on fire a couple of (laughs) times. My brothers were told to like rake up all the weeds and they're like, thought of this genius idea this will save times instead of raking up the weeds why don't we just burn them down and perfect so they set our field on fire my mom was inside and she saw all of us like running around and noticed people were like running inside and outside with cups of water and she thought we, oh how fun and sweet they're having a water fight no we were trying to put out the fire oh my gosh <laughs> yeah a lot of uh, a lot of fun a lot of crazy And a lot that, you know, sometimes in my early adulthood, I was like, man, my childhood was rough. Let me just forget about that stuff. And now as I'm further away from it and have a greater perspective, I am so grateful for my childhood. I really love it. I love my family. I love how I was raised. I see the value in it. And it's, it's definitely been more so a blessing than anything. 
What do you think is like, Annie asked this question before, and I guess I just wanted to delve a little bit more into your history before we ask this, but like, what were some of the things that now having that perspective, do you feel like were just some of the greatest things about being raised that way? Honestly, as I thought about this, like we were the weird family, you know, I didn't yeah. know we were the weird family but we were the the weirdos and we were the recipients though of so much love. I experienced mm. so much love and service from around me. And that was just normal to me. Like we became the second hand store. People didn't take their clothes to, you know, the Salvation Army. They came and dropped it off at our doorstep because they knew we needed clothes and shoes. And it was so neat. I mean, I, my goodness, it was like Christmas every time we found a bag of clothes on our doorstep. Although we did fight over who got what. But, <laughs> <laughs> and we were often the recipient of, like, here, I'm going to give you an example. At one point, so my dad was an electrician. I know that's a contradiction, no electricity. And my dad was an electrician. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and at one point he was working and he put a drill through his hand oh. between oh. two of his fingers. And it was pretty traumatic and he could not work. He couldn't use his hand. And so not only were we out of that money and out of work, but it was heading up to winter and they had built an addition on our house and it the exterior had not been covered. There was no stucco. It was wood. And we had to get that covered before winter. And there was one day that we had been away all day and we were driving home and you could see our house kind of in this valley from far off. And we were all so confused because our house was a different color and there was like people all over our house. And we were like, what's going on? And we pulled up and I swear every member of the church, man, woman, and child was there. They had got the supplies needed to do that work on the exterior of our house. And there was scaffolding everywhere. They were, they had secretly gotten together and completed the exterior of our home with their own time and expense. And it was, you know, to watch my dad tear up with, gratitude at that kindness that someone would do for us. I mean, that was no small task, but we, I just saw that example of love and, you know, also with 13 siblings, you know, <laughs> that's hard to parent 13 kids, not only 13 kids, but 13 kids with some pretty intense needs. Right. And man, I, our young men and young women leaders were phenomenal. I look back at that and I was in each of my young women leaders homes often at many points and they are all so dear to me. And I just thought that was normal. You know, I thought it was normal that a beehive leader would take me into her home and be like, Hey, Amber, I want to teach you how to make a dress and make a dress with me. And another young woman leader who just would come up to me on Sunday and like, hey, do you want to come over to my house and make cookies with me today? 
And oh, that one-on-one -on -one time, that time to be away from the chaos of my home was so wonderful and healing. And I learned so many things from that love and kindness from my leaders. And my brothers will say the same thing about their young men leaders, that they were such an integral part of their upbringing and testimony. Like it was just a beautiful thing to witness, not only witness that love being poured down upon us and that service, but also to have parents that were so, they were such an example of what Christ has asked us to do to love your neighbor. Cause you know, not only did they adopt, but like they had lot, uh, several hippie friends who didn't walk away from a rough lifestyle. And so they often, you know, uh, it, it was hard to constantly adjust to my parents' service because there was always, it felt like there was always someone new in our home, you know? And I was like, really? We, another person? Yeah. So I, I didn't love it, but it was a good thing for me to experience as a child. Like you have to give up some of your own comfort, some of your own convenience and for other people sometimes. And that is okay to do. It's not all about you. And my parents taught me that from a young age. That's a powerful look. Yeah. It's so cool because they are obviously so loving and they're putting out so much love in the world and opening their home to love so many children. And that love is being reflected back to them, which I think is an eternal principle, right? Like the more that we put out, the more we're going to get back. Either way, if we're putting out a lot of evil, we're getting it back. And if you're putting out so much love and opening your heart and your home to love, then that is going to come back to you. And I think that's powerful for like any ward or any community, right? That to sit back and be like, well, no one's helping me and no one's talking to me. And well, what are you putting in? And like, what are you putting out in the world? And so I love that your parents are such an amazing example of that. And so I, I love the things you're saying about like how that impacted you as a person. How do you feel like these experiences have affected your testimony? You know, I feel like, Growing up, a lot of times I felt like I was in the eye of a storm. <laughs> and what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? You have you need to grab onto something to keep you steady. Yeah. And that that it's and it's also because you fear that, that you're gonna get blown away, right? But also the eye of the storm is the calm, right? And the gospel was my stronghold in that that storm. It was my steadiness. Uh, life was very, it's chaotic with that many children. Plus my mom was a very, she was the stereotypical hippie, like, oh, just, you know, anything goes and life is good and, you know, free to do whatever you need to do to be you and da, 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 da. And so that was beautiful. I loved that because I have so much freedom, freedom to discover what my talents and gifts were and the person that I was, but it also, there wasn't a lot of structure and the gospel gave me that structure and that strength but not only that but when you grow up in such a unique and crazy atmosphere my goodness god is constantly manifesting himself you know you, you just see him in your life where there's where there's lots of trial there's just lots of god <laughs> I even think back to like before my sisters were even adopted. This is just a really neat experience. I was um, on a field trip. I was probably in like first or second grade and we were going to the planetarium 
And I think everyone's had that field trip. It's so cool, right? To sit and look up at, you feel like you're outside looking at the stars and they're showing you all these constellations. And they came to a constellation of seven stars called the Seven Sisters. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that constellation, but before we had even adopted my sisters, I remember laying back there, looking up at that constellation of seven sisters. And in my heart, I was like, oh, I wish, I wish I had seven sisters. How cool would that be? And just wishing for that. And what do you know, two years later, how many sisters were there <laughs> in my family? Seven sisters. There's seven of us. Aww. And to me, that was just God, like preparing me, letting me know, reminding me that was a desire of my heart. So even though it was really hard, mm -hmm. sometimes having those seven sisters and learning how to love and forgive and wishing you were more loved and things not turning out how you would expect it all the time, knowing that this was something that I desired and this is something God showed me. And so he was with me. It was a, a beautiful thing. And I know that my sisters were supposed to be my sisters, you know, and I know that we will have love and friendship that lasts into the eternities. And it, it's a beautiful thing. Also growing up in that situation, you, you, you learn so much about the power of the atonement, like seeing the change in me and the healing in me and also in my siblings, it it's it's miraculous. It's miraculous what we were able to heal from and overcome. I remember standing in the pantry one day and questioning God like, wow, like how, why could you allow this amount of suffering in the world? There's so much suffering in the world. How is this possible? And an answer came to my mind and it was because I am that powerful that God is that powerful that it doesn't matter the horror, the suffering, he can overcome all of it. We can be healed from all of it. So, you know, <laughs> what a life, what a testimony has given me of God's power and his love and how he can consecrate all things for our good. I just appreciate that. I feel like this is something that like all of us do. Like there's a moment where you start to move into adulthood and you look at what was given to you and what you suffered through or whatever it looks like. And like, there has to be some acceptance of all the good and all the bad. And like, and I think that you are such a prime example of like looking at this life. And like, there's a lot of things that must've been very challenging, like going to the bathroom in darkness, right. Or outside for goodness sakes. <laughs> but like, I think it is a goal. It should be a goal for all of us to get to a point where when we look back at the really, really difficult things, we're able to see and how we've grown or if we haven't yet, 
how we might be able to grow because of those things. Like, I don't think anybody, anybody's childhood has like all the perfect elements, right? Even if you had all of the things that look like everything should be right and great, we're still kids. So we're still like, the way we see the world or the way we interact with things. And I just think it's so empowering. Like we don't, I don't want any of my kids like to grow and eventually feel like a victim in what was inflicted on them. You know what I mean? I just like, this is an empowerment. And that's what the atonement gives us is like, it's self-sufficiency by leaning on someone else, right? Like we're self-sufficient to go. I get to do what I want through the savior. I can be forgiven of everything and I can forgive all and I can move on and I can, see all of the good and all of the bad and it's such it's like the life pursuit once you become adult like move forward and go into your life pursuit of like just forgiving it all and like growing I'm just really I am proud of your story and I'm very proud of the work you've done I can tell that you have come full circle on some of that and the humor of it all isn't it great how you can just look back and laugh laugh at the time that I accidentally picked a bouquet of marijuana for my mom or yes I love that story so much (laughs) oh goodness they're just like trying to explain to you what it is and you're like what and she's like using all these euphemisms for it and you're like like that's a drug that is not something you should be picking for bouquet yeah that was funny you gotta go follow her account it's so fun (laughs) some people would disagree some people might think it's the most beautiful bouquet. Right? Yes, that is true. You know what? It is a plant that God made. Okay. Like, let's just honor that. Okay. Oh my gosh. But I do love that you were like a pioneer girl in a modern world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, like, these are factors that like other people had to deal with. Our ancestors dealt with worse or whatever. You know what I mean? Like as far as conditions they're living in, but I'm sure the dichotomy came in like, yeah, you're like a pioneer girl in a modern world. Like the, everyone else has, like all, especially like as a teenager, all your friends have all the amenities and smelling fresh because they have a shower at their fingertips. And, you know, that's got to be daunting as well. You talked about how your mom was such a hippie and like free and, you know, and as I've watched some of your account too, like you've shared a couple of times about like your research on Joseph Smith and like your feelings about that. And I love that you're so free and open with that. And I wonder if, Part of why you're so willing to freely share things is because of that, like groundwork that was laid for you, you know, to like be free to open to research and to ask questions and to find the answers you're looking for. So yeah, I th- that seems interesting to me that like you had such freedom in that way. Do you think that yeah. helped you in deciding to dive into some of that research about Joseph Smith? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in a very, like I said, a free and open atmosphere where it I always felt free to ask questions and to wonder about things. And because we didn't have TV, (laughs) you know, I became just a a deep thinker and it cultivated, like we had encyclopedias, plenty of encyclopedias to read. We had books to read and stuff like that. And it just, it made me a curious person. And it's sometimes I thought that that was, like, oh, is it bad to question things? You know, I felt a little guilty for questioning, but then I, I started to learn that no, like their questions come into your mind for a reason. And if you go to the right sources and have the right attitude about those questions, you can trust 
that those questions will actually answering them will help strengthen your testimony and bring you closer to Christ. And yeah, when I was, my husband had just been called to be a bishop and all of a sudden I was of no choice of my own inundated by all this anti-material. Like it was just sent to me, one by a friend, one was sent by a customer in my business, no connection. And you, but Satan should have been just a little more subtle. <laughs> it kind of tipped me off that all this was coming at me at one point. I'm like, whoa, 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 what is going on here? Let me step back here for a second. And the fact that my husband was just called to be bishop, I'm like, hmm, something's, something's trying to test my faith here. And it was actually kind of a, a difficult experience. It was, I was definitely shaken. And then I was embarrassed that I was shaken because I'm like, I don't think, I don't think the bishop's wife is supposed to question things in the gospel, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so I was very quiet about it, but the beautiful thing was, and it was a miracle, honestly, is that a couple weekends after all, I had read all this information that I didn't know what was true, what wasn't, it was all confusing. I happened to have a road trip planned and one of the people that was on the road trip with me, she had read all the things because her husband had been reading all the things for years. And she just felt like she needed to know what was out there so she could help her husband navigate through things. But she was rock solid and she knew she had the answers to my questions. And here we were on this seven hour road trip. And a lot of my questions were answered. And and sure enough, coming out the other side of that experience, I have now a testimony of Joseph Smith that I feel like is is unshakable. And believe me, it was really scary too. I I look back on that reel that I posted on my testimony, of Joseph Smith, and I'm like, who was that? What were you thinking, Amber? <laughs> Especially some of the response I've gotten from it. You read the comments on that reel and just know that there's probably hundreds that have been deleted just of mean, nasty stuff, but wow. Yeah. I, I learned a lot from that experience. And the first being, I, I love this. This is a quote by president Hinckley that if you accept the revelation, you must accept the revelator. And he, he talks about how, you know, Often people will say, oh, members of your church are so nice. They're so kind or whatever, but then they're so quick to criticize and dismiss Joseph Smith. Yeah. But that makes no sense because I guarantee you, like most of what people love about our church was revealed by God through Joseph Smith. He is, I mean, God was his tutor. The word of wisdom, all of our family history work, the welfare program, everything we know about the pre-existence and, and after we die and missionary work, general conference, like this was all revelation through Joseph Smith. The things that we love, like there's, that stuff can't come from evil. I'm sorry. Yeah. But 
course, that's what the world wants to paint. They they fear him. And so they they fill in, they take tiny little bits of his life that honestly we don't have a ton of de detail behind and then twist it to make him suit their image of him and turn him in, try to turn him into a terrible person. And it's just not the case. Yeah. So yeah, what are some of the things you learned like in your research, in seeking for answers, some of the things that helped you on this like journey to understand more about Joseph Smith? So honestly, it's funny because I in, in my testimony, I share that I decided that I had to learn uh, you know, here I had listened to and read a lot, all of the negative things and which were mostly twisted truth or just blatant lies. And I had given that plenty of my energy. Yeah. And then I thought, well, let me research the, the Joseph Smith papers were kind of a new thing. And I was like, well, let me research this. And <laughs> I get criticized because I say, all I did was listen to the introduction. And as I was listening to that introduction, the spirit bore witness to me that Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. And I pressed stop and I never listened to anything else. And, and, and I got criticized for that. Like, oh, you should have done your research. I'm like, I had, I had listened to all the negative stuff. What did you else? Did you want me to learn? I had learned all the great stuff growing up. I knew that stuff. And the point was like, you have to receive your own witness from the spirit because in all honesty, we have very little firsthand accounts written by Joseph Smith. Most of what we have are, are written by other people. And I think God gave me this experience for a reason. So let me share this with you. I am a avid journaler, like not missing a day of journaling for seven years of my life, not a day. And I still journal, not that <laughs> avidly, not every single day, but often. So my husband and I were arguing one time about how something happened that had happened just a few years earlier. And I was like, no, 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 it happened this way. And he's like, no, I know it happened this way. I know for a fact. And then I was like, okay, let's open up to that date in my journal. <laughs> and so I went back to my journal and I read it and I was astounded to realize we were both wrong. Interesting. And we had, rem he was um, combining two different memories and so was I. And there was things that we, neither of us even remembered about the experience. We were completely off. Now, this was something we both experienced firsthand and that I had written down and we remembered it only a few years later incorrectly. That was such a powerful experience to me, especially in, as I started to research and learn more about Joseph Smith, the good things and the bad things we don't know how accurate either are because we don't have very many first-hand accounts. I mean, even the thing that shook me the most was a story that I heard about and every, well, most people know about when you, I say the name Fanny Alder or Alger is their name. 
And there's a story told, you know, that she and Joseph Smith were seen doing inappropriate, you know, interactions in a barn, you know, and I had never heard that story before. And even in that story, it said that she was 14 years old. Well, the more that I learned, I learned that number one, she wasn't 14 years old. She was almost 18. She was 17. And number two, the story that we had was an account written by an, an embittered apostate. It was a secondhand account. So it wasn't even something he personally witnessed. And it was written 40 years after the fact. I'm sorry, but that is not a credible resource. Yeah. So why, why are we giving that any credit whatsoever? But I'll tell you what a correct, you know, what we do have for sound account is the doctrine and covenants. All of this revelation received uh, by Joseph Smith that shows the type of person he was. I don't know if any of you, like if you guys or any of you listening, if you have ever done a serious scripture study and written down what the spirit is teaching you, it is not like a, whatever easy peasy thing like oh i open the scriptures and god reveals all this stuff to me in one second and i'm good to go with no effort on my part you've really got to learn the language of the spirit you've really got to be in tune with god and just by reading the words for the doctrine and covenants gosh you know that joseph smith was a man of god you know he couldn't have had this revelation if he was not close to the spirit Right. And so why are we paying attention to these things that are secondhand counts, people who didn't like him? Why are we giving them any credit when we have this beautiful scripture that we can read from him to get to know him? And not only that, we have the gift of the Holy Ghost to know for ourselves. And so that was that was really helpful to me in my experience. I think that's so cool because like you're saying like the psychology behind it right like that makes a lot of sense to me my degrees in psychology I love that kind of stuff right but right how the brain works that we don't remember things well our brains are faulty and like like that's a perfect example like you guys both remembered something firsthand and you had gotten it mixed up later on right and also when you even write it down the first time it's from your perspective we yeah. always say there's his story, her story, and the truth, right? Like there's always flavors of what's going on. So like someone's journal account, and I get that's all we have is like what people wrote down from back then. We don't have anything else from back then, right? But we're writing something down. It, when I, I'm an avid journal writer too. And when my kids read my journals someday, I hope not, but like if they <laughs> do, it's like, this is from my perspective. This is the way that I saw things. And some of it's going to be just like my frustrations and my you know, struggles, whatever. And then some of it will be, like you said, like that revelation that came through. And I hope those are the bits that they like hang on to the moment that I like, I'm, I got, I'll write out prayers in my journal. Cause I have a hard time focusing. So like, Heavenly Father, this is what I'm worried about. This is what's going on for me. And then I'll pause and like, write down the things I feel are coming to my heart and let's exalt the rest kids. You can listen to this part. Cause this is where like God really spoke to me. The rest of it is just my mortal brain writing down a story from my limited knowledge and my, my one perspective. And 
So I think that is interesting to just to be to be critically thinking about it. Like, I don't think anything you just said discredits anybody's like questions or frustrations around this topic, right? I think that I love what you're saying is like, it's just an invitation to think about it a little bit critically and say, okay, yeah, why are we giving credit to people that are writing stories secondhand, 40 years later, people who are angry with him and saying these things when if, especially for people who have been raised in the church, right? And have been have this foundation and are like having these questions and these frustrations that the only way we can really know anything is through the spirit. Nobody alive today can give us exact information about what happened with him. Nobody can. And that's what I have gone back to many times when I've had some questions or thought about things because it's normal to question. Joseph Smith questioned. Like that's how we, that's how revelation is born is from questions, I think. And so we have these and that's fine. But we're doing that to really think about if no one can really confirm any of these sources because no one alive today can say, oh, yeah, I was there, whatever. Right. If that's kind of hard to navigate for me and what feels peaceful to me is like you're saying like the only the Holy Ghost can tell me and speak to my heart. And I think that's why President Nelson is so big on that right now to like really receive revelation for yourself, because that's all we can really, really trust is knowing that deep, peaceful feeling that God's speaking to us and that he's helping us understand what's true. And I just, I think what you're saying is so powerful because, and and I love that you're, again, going back to your parents, opening the doors for you to be a curious thinker. And that's powerful. And I think that we need more curious thinking in our culture, right? Like to be curious and think about things does not necessarily mean you have to throw it out the window. It's just to be curious, but also in your curiosity, be having a conversation with God about it. So if you're really yeah. trying to find out if these spiritual things are true, that's got to be part of your critical research as well, to be like seeking God and asking him and finding that way to hear what God's speaking to you and just to be open to thinking about things differently. So I love what you're sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, the other th- important thing I learned, and, and it was just recently, well, it, of course, in all my research, like, thank goodness, he wasn't a perfect person. Sure. You know, and it teaches you how, wow, God truly can take the weak things of the earth, me, Joseph Smith, and do great things. It, it builds my testimony of God's mercy, his patience, his forgiveness, and how he lets us grow and learn through mistakes. Because just, you know, as I first started posting reels and was navigating some of the comments I was getting, especially on my reel about Joseph Smith and polygamy. I responded to someone's comment and I was actually kind of, I was, I was mean, I'll say it. I was just, (laughs) I should have thought a little longer and not been so tired when I responded. And I was kind of snarky and I know I hurt this person's feelings and I felt so bad after I did it. And then she deleted her comment and I couldn't find her to apologize. And around the same time I posted a a reel that has now been deleted that I just got it wrong, right? I just, and I was like praying and crying and I was like, oh, Heavenly Father, I don't wanna mess up like this. Especially, you know, we live in such a cancel culture too. You do one thing wrong and it's like, "Mm, we hate you. You're unforgiving. Yep. And then the spirit just brought into my mind, like, it's okay to make these mistakes and learn 
God sees the value in it, allows for it. It doesn't mean that you've been deceived or that you're a bad person. And then just the reminder of like how Joseph Smith must have felt in trying to do his best to restore the church and not knowing exactly how to do it and messing up on some things and, and not getting some things exactly right. And God worked with him and showed him and chastened him when he needed to be chastened and, and made up for his weakness. And that's perfectly okay. We shouldn't harshly judge each other or someone else that had such a huge task that really none of us would have been willing to take on. And, you know, whatever you want to see, that's, you'll, you'll see it. You'll find it. If you want to find negative things uh, and see negative about him, you will. And, but if you want to see good, you will. And that's another thing in my research. There is a ton more good out there that he has given to us than than some of what he might be criticized for and that's, i'm grateful i'm grateful that's what I, a little bit because my sister-in-law recently left the church and she was talking a little bit about joseph smith you know pretty harshly and we were studying dnc so i love that you say go to the scriptures because we were studying it and we were studying joseph smith's history and she, you know, he was a philanderer and a whatever, all of the things. And I read this, I read his own personal history. And he's like, the power of revelation was taken away from me for a while because I wasn't being the best guy. It wasn't that bad, but it was like kind of bad. And he like writes it. And I was like, this is a man that's truly fallible. And we hold sometimes, you know, prophets to a standard that, that we want to hold Christ, but no one is Christ. Right. And so in that moment, I actually gained a huge testimony of Joseph Smith because I was like, well, yeah, he was maybe some of those things, but he knew it and he was repentant for it. And he received the power to to reveal again, you know, and he was forgiven and he was using the atonement and he was moving. And this is a real life. This isn't, you know, just pen to paper the way we see it. And so we revere and we think of him only as a picture. And anyway, I just think it's powerful to use the examples of what you've talked about and the scriptures are there. Yeah. And like you were saying that the, you, by making those mistakes, we learn because if you hadn't made the mean comment and felt the like, oh, like the godly sorrow, right? Because shame is like, I'm a bad person because I made that comment. And the godly sorrow is like, oh, I missed the mark. I caused, I caused an impact for somebody else that I, I didn't really want. And so I feel compassion for the person that was hurt by the thing I said right that's a whole different ball game but like because we feel those feelings I bet you're way less likely to make a snarky comment again right because you <laughs> felt that feeling of like ooh, I you know it felt good in the moment to like just snap back at him you know but then the remorse came in of like oh but I made an impact on someone I didn't like mm -hmm. and that didn't feel good and that didn't feel like light and I want light so I'm going to make a choice next time that feels more like light, right? And like you're saying, God works with broken people to make miracles. And he yeah. took Joseph Smith, an imperfect person. He takes us, we're imperfect people, and we're all doing our best. And yeah, like you said, I wouldn't take on the job of starting a church. Heck no. You're like, <laughs> that's cute, but I'm I'm out, you know? So <laughs> that, there's a lot there, and we're all learning, and we're all growing. And I love, yeah, like this idea that, that that's okay. 
and thinking about things is okay and being open to things is okay and we're all just coming back to God is like the end goal and whether you come back to him in other ways but like the whole point is to come back to him so I just I love that I love what you're saying just to kind of wrap up today I'm so grateful for you being here but maybe ending with a little bit of anything else you might want to tell our listeners about how this brought you closer to Christ and how this has brought you to become more of a disciple of him well, some one thing I am reminded of every day it, when I think about my past or in my present or any experience is that Christ is manifested in our lives, through our lives. We are his greatest miracles. And it says often in the scriptures when in any period of time where people have are not living good lives. It's because they've forgotten. They have forgotten their God. They have forgotten that God can do such marvelous works. And we need to remember God is a God of miracles. And we can either be the miracle in someone else's life, or we can cultivate the gift to see miracles in our lives and even ask for miracles that, you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, well, life's hard when God is just waiting for us to ask, ask for that manifestation of him in our lives, that miracle. And whether it be the miracle of strengthening your testimony or seeing a child in a different light to where you can be healed from it, there are miracles all around us. And how important it is also to remember that this is one thing that the spirit was constantly telling me, like, it's not about you, Amber. It's not about you. Because when you make it about yourself, right, you, you're afraid to open up and share. But when you realize that you're given these experiences that could possibly bless someone else's life and strengthen your faith, and it's about strengthening and loving each other. Don't make it about you. Just go out there and share, share your testimony. It's miraculous that in this day of age, in age, however many followers you have on social media, whether it be a hundred or a hundred thousand with just a couple taps of your finger, you can share your testimony with hundreds of people. And you might be the answer to somebody's prayer. I love that. That is so beautiful. You are amazing. Thank you for being part of our little podcast family. And um, everyone, thank you for being here. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here today. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to leave a review and five-star rating. And come hang out with us and join our community at our new Instagram at notyourmamas.rs.